WIV Today, the daily business podcast from the Business in Vancouver Newsroom. I'm Kirk LaPointe, Editor-in-Chief. My guest today is one of Canada's most prominent technology entrepreneurs, Dax Da Silva, launched Lightspeed in 2005. Yes. A point of sale, an e-commerce giant that manages inventory and data, employees, customer relationships. It now employs 700 people. Yeah, close to 800. Close to 800. It's used in more than 100 countries, and the company was recently taken public. Mm -hmm. Dax is not your your typical business leader, though, uh, as evidenced by the institute that he's also created, the Never Apart Center, Mm -hmm. which is a series of galleries and meeting places and... uh, Montreal's vaunted Rue Saint-Herbain. You're one of Saint-Herbain's horsemen, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the book he's yeah. written, Age of Union, uh, calls for a dramatic shift in attitudes and practices in business uh, to rely more on the spiritual and emotional intelligence that people have as ingredients than right. simply on the purely economic ones to achieve success. He grew up in Vancouver. Uh, we can forgive him that he's moved to Montreal, uh, <laughs> but uh, he's back in town for a visit. We're grateful that he's here. Thank you for having me. Oh, great. Hey, could you could you have started and managed Lightspeed in Vancouver the way it was when you wanted to do it? I think so. I mean, yeah. I, I, I uh, you know, from uh, my teen years, I was always building software. And so I built a, built a software and support tech support practice here in Vancouver. Yeah, uh, and worked for um, st- startups while I was while I was here. Hmm. Uh, I mo- you know moved uh, in the early two thousands to Montreal. Uh, was really in love with the, why, with the by cul- the way? why the culture. I think uh, is uh. It, you know has a cultural. There's a creative vibrance that sure uh, yeah. that uh, you know uh, exists in Vancouver, exists in Toronto, but there is something unique about uh, the creative scene in Montreal, yeah. and uh, it. Captured my imagination. It feels and, like the yeah. most cosmopolitan mm-hmm. city. It's not the most diverse, but it's it's it seems more cosmopolitan in a certain way, right? Yeah, I think that it digs it. Uh, it does have this creative heart, right? This mm-hmm. uh, it has a lot of soul, mm-hmm. uh, and thus for 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 Lightspeed, for Never Apart, and for this book, a lot of the inspiration for for doing things in an open minded and sort of free thinking way. Uh, comes a lot from that cosmopolitan nature, yeah. but also uh, just the just the possibilities that are possible yeah. in the in the city. Tell me, why do you like what you do? I I enjoy. There, there's a common thread between all the projects, and I think that it's I do get to work with entrepreneurs. You know, Lightspeed really helps small business entrepreneurs. Sure. You know, make their neighborhoods come alive. Never apart helps artists find a voice. You know. The subtitle of the book, Age of Union, is Igniting the Changemaker. So I get to work with changemakers, and I get to work with people within the company that are leaders in, in their own way. So there's a, there's a lot of, I think it's the people, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's the people and, and watching people reach their full potential, no matter where their talents lie. Are, are so. you um, the kind of manager who likes smarter people around them? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so, so at, at what point do you have too many smart people around you and say that's <laughs> enough? There must be a point there. Well, uh, as we expand globally and we now have eight offices of which three are in Europe and, and we're, we're, we have lots of new kinds of perspectives and new mm-hmm. ways of communicating, new ways of thinking. Uh, I'm always amazed by how people can be smart in, in ways that add new perspectives to how we solve problems at the company. So I don't think that there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a limit to the, to the kind of EQ that you can bring into the company and smarts. I want to know what it is about your childhood in particular Mm -hmm. 
that framed your pursuits. You, right. You, you, it sounds like you grew up in a pretty intellectual household. That likely gave you all kinds of options. But how did you get framed this way? What was it about the way you were growing up that did this? So I was a very creative child, did a lot of drawing. Uh, my, you know, in my dad's family, there's a lot of creatives, painters, uh, designers, uh, artists. Uh, uh, my mother's family, lots of nurturers, people that worked in hospitals. My mother worked with the elderly. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of spirituality on both sides of the family. Uh, and so I think all of those things combined to uh, the things that I have as interests and and where where where. Um, my career and where my interests sort of led me into these various projects can can be sort of directly traced back to 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 my parents and to the the world that I that I grew up in. Do you remember uh, uh, episodes, Dax, that helped you perhaps um, form the vision that you had for something like Lightspeed? Was there was there an image of a, a you know a retail or a restaurant mm-hmm. or something? that was was speaking to you and you thought if i if i work creatively toward this i can mm-hmm. generate this well interestingly i i approached a software uh design i mean i started apprenticing at an apple deal uh, at an apple developer when i was 13 uh and i really came at it from a designer's point of view i by the way everybody hates that kid by the way <laughs> just to let you know okay yeah i was just sorry a pure, uh, interrupted pure you. i just wanted to remind you of that. Okay. Yeah. um but i didn't come at, at at it as um you know from the angle of the engineer and I did try computer science when I went to the, to the University of British Columbia. I came at it from a design perspective, and that really mm. is the, um, the 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 current that runs through you know through through my family and through the the creatives in my family, and making that come to life uh, through through learning how to code and program. Although they don't let me, they haven't let me program at Lightspeed for almost a decade. Oh, Nobody cool. wants to see my code anymore. The, but you know, you're the old guy now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. yeah, yeah. yeah. So. You know, approaching it from a design perspective, I mean, my mm-hmm. goals when I started Lightspeed in 2005 were I wanted to win an Apple Design Award oh. because they brought, you know, they brought interface design and, and the human element. They brought the liberal arts and technology. At, they were the crossroads of, of, of those two, two things, humanizing technology. Uh, and because I'd worked in lots of Apple sort of retail businesses and built software for different um before there was apple stores there was apple dealerships yes right i grew up in the dealerships here in vancouver Hmm. uh continued uh building custom software for the ones in montreal uh so understood retail but ultimately i wanted to win that apple design award and and uh (laughs) uh, and create software like a craftsperson i I don't think you need that design award never got one yeah (laughs) don't worry about it you'll be fine um what do you think you took from vancouver to work life? Uh, well, I think there's a lot of uh, really interesting Vancouverites that are a lot of the, the people that I work closely in, uh, in at Lightspeed and in other projects are from Vancouver. I think that Montreal and Vancouver have sort of that lifestyle ethos in common. Yeah. Uh, very, uh, there, there's that work-life balance. There's that... Um, but the lifestyle defines both cities. Bo- it defines both cities. Yeah. So uh, there are... Um, there's a there's a good confluence between between the two places, and I spend a lot of time here, and uh, a lot of pl- folks in Vancouver that I know uh, do the converse. Can you um, can you shed light on how any of your struggles might have prepared you for the world of business? Um, 
Well, you know, I came out as a as uh, a gay teen, uh, yeah. you know, early in my life here in Vancouver. Very supportive, you know, um, resources. There lots of community centers and resources and, and things that happened here. Much better than a lot of other places. Would Certainly, yeah. you know, I think Montreal, Vancouver, you know, our our cities in Canada are are places where there's a lot of positive support. Uh, and then the early team at Lightspeed uh, was all from the from the from the lgbtq community mm. and so i think we always found uh strength and and um indifference and appreciate appreciated the the value that different kinds of people could bring to the table and so we built the company on these on this ethos of diversity and and, and inclusivity and as we've grown the teams we've built on the strength of the diversity so very canadian value um but we always had that perspective that uh that the more we brought in uh, who joined the company and, and had a broad view, the, the, the more creative the company would be, the more uh, innovative the solutions would be. Do you think, again, um, because the company's called Lightspeed, do you think that your inclusivity uh, as an entrepreneur and as a company essentially gave you that massive head start on others that might have been trying to do somewhat the same thing? It did. And, and I believe that it's made us a great international company. You know, mm -hmm. you know, as a private company, we, we, we just went public recently. But as a private company, we did five acquisitions in Canada, the US, and mostly in Europe. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we, we did seven years of bootstrapping uh, before we took outside investment from California and from, from later from, uh, from Canadian sources. But I believe that that identity that we built in that first, uh, you know, that first seven years of of building everything on our own on our own steam, uh, it really it really gave us that DNA uh, that later allowed us to acquire companies and accept other cultures and other sort of company cultures within the umbrella of the Lightspeed culture because we were so inclusive and we didn't want to make everybody the same. There's no way Lightspeed Amsterdam or Lightspeed New York or Lightspeed London is going to be the same as Lightspeed Montreal, sure. or so. I think that that um, that that core of diversity and inclusivity prepared us for being a global company and being able to uh, really get the, the the best and allow people to do the best work of their lives, no matter you know which of the offices they're working in. Was there a stage where it where its its prominence this way was not great for business? Was it tough? Was um, was your inclusivity? I mean, you know, it, was it ever not a good business move? Well, I think it takes effort, right? It takes um, it takes patience. Uh, it takes um, time to learn how um, people from different backgrounds communicate, how they come to consensus, mm. uh, how they share uh, knowledge. Uh, it's so it, it doesn't come for free. It doesn't come with no effort. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, where we've had to invest time to make sure that they, that those things are functional and working, I think later gives you uh, a lead in, in terms of how you're building uh, and allows you to be uh, way more agile, way more innovative. Uh, yeah, because but, it, but it does it require you to invest in uh, making that a strength, right? Because yeah, it, it would also seem to me that that ethos would then also just give you, um, I mean, just so many more tools. Yes. In the way of understanding people, understanding the communication right. and determining what it is that you can create for people. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, the understanding built within the company helps us understand better our customers. Our customers come from all sorts of places and all sorts of walks of life and different backgrounds. Um, understand, uh, because we're, 
we're, we're building for the independent business person. Uh, it helps us understand about community and, and that's ultimately what we're not building for multinational chains. We're building for those innovative, in, yeah. you know, uh, independent business people. And, uh, and what they're doing is they're creating something unique so that every city does not have just the same pharmacies, the same Starbucks, the same yeah. uh, block every, you know, in every city, you know, things are becoming very homogenous. Uh, and we believe that the businesses that work with Lightspeed are, um, you know, are the defense against homogeneity and, and create the uniqueness that we see in cities, the things that we really treasure and, and value. In your book and, and then in the other things that I've read about you um, and a couple of people that I've actually spoken to about you, they said at, at a pretty early stage in being this entrepreneur where you developed traction and it mm. became evident that you were onto something, that you also very quickly determined that you weren't just going to take the money to the bank, that mm -hmm. there was something that you wanted to build right. in the way of, um, of community in this mm -hmm. case. And obviously you've got to show for it, uh, never a part center right. in Montreal. Talk a little bit about the reasoning and behind that, the timing mm -hmm. for it, why it might've been the right stage for you to do all of that. Yeah. So, you know, Lightspeed today is about at the 14 year mark. At the 10 year mark, I was experiencing a, a lot of burnout. You know, we'd done, we'd had done seven years of bootstrapping and then a few years of having venture capital from California and the, the company was in hyperdrive. Uh, at the 10-year mark, we were moving into this amazing new office, but uh, was feeling the effects of burnout. Uh, but the the office space we were leaving was something I was able to buy for the company before we before we before we had investors. And I said, okay, you know, I have these this cultural background. I dropped out of computer science to take art history and religious studies. Oh yeah, and I had you know I always had this desire to 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 create a to do more culturally. And that's what drew me to, to Montreal in the first place. So I had this this uh, this space that that was in sort of the creative hub, artistic hub of the city, but it didn't have a hub itself. And so I said, "Yeah, you know, it's really busy at work. I'm very burnt out, but maybe this is the my chance to create a cultural center where the goal is really to bring people of different cultures that are artists together, you know, so that we can exhibit multiple things from from people from different perspectives and." cross-educate people and build understanding and well, let's do it as an experiment. Uh, and so we, we I, I wrote a small manifesto for, for, for what was, what was the intention for that never apart center? Yeah. What was the first thing you thought of? Uh, so, you know, just, you know, the human promise, uh, the, the things, you know, we're, we're, we're a little hard on, on humanity when we look at the state of the world, but I think it's our artistry, our inventiveness that is our light. Mm. Uh, and that's what we wanted to celebrate at the Never Apart Center. And I've learned so much from that, from all the different cultures and people that have contributed to exhibitions and talks and, and, and music projects within the center. And so really that manifesto that I wrote at the beginning um, is now in, in book form three or four years later, I've been able to take learnings from, from Lightspeed, but a lot from Never Apart and, and write Age of Union. Can you make the connection between this uh, uh, kind of an enlightened creativity that you've been able to foster in your own life um, and, and then how it's actually paid back to you in terms of what I'd call the more nuts and bolts, hard part of business? Mm -hmm. Well, like I said, I was at the 10 year mark, I, I was burnt out and started the center. Didn't expect adding another project to my plate was going to re-energize me. You know, I was able to, 
you know, light another fire in, inside myself that allowed me to tap into things that I had passion for. And it gave me all the energy that I needed to go to the next stage of light speed. Uh. So, you know, you wouldn't think that adding more work would give you more energy, but it really did. Uh, and they ended up being so complimentary. Usually people think you've got your day job and your passion project. Maybe the ideal situation is to go transition from one to the other. What I learned instead is that both complemented and uplifted each other. Uh, and, uh, and, and that is that, that's when you're, when you're truly kind of using all of the, thing, the, the elements uh, that are part of you and bringing them all forward. Well, that's, you the, know, that's, that's the most fulfilling. That's what I wonder about. I mean, you, you obviously had an extremely creative childhood, mm-hmm. teen years. You could very easily almost end up sacrificing that right. to go into that precious world of business, yeah. which is not all that nice sometimes. So in a way, this almost re-entered, reawakened your muscle groups, right? Totally, yeah. And uh, and I think it made me better for Lightspeed, and it gave mm-hmm. me the energy to go to to where we are today, which is just recently public. And yeah. uh, and so these are all authentic parts of yourselves. And when I when I speak to students and I speak to people that are starting out um, and uh, they're passionate about many things, I said there's I always tell them there's going to be a time for for all of these things. You have to invest in all of the elements of yourself. It may not be the right moment for you to. You may, you may need to build your world, your career at this moment, um, but start to, to to figure out how you're going to eventually give back, yeah, how it, you're going to engage with all the elements of yourself over time. Yeah, I'm not telling you anything you already don't know, but, yeah. but I mean, that is one of the principal criticisms sometimes of the technologists, right? is that they, they are so worried about their future, not mm-hmm. worried, but they're so focused on their future that in a way they don't look around them, think of the community and begin in a way to to bring back to the community things right. that they're not as giving in a lot of ways. And I think it's um it's there are more tech entrepreneurs that are thinking about this uh mm-hmm. sooner. Uh what what's 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 apparent uh is that when you're at, at the height of your influence you can have the most impact, sure. you know, um, many, uh, people in tech are not waiting till retirement to start giving back. They're starting, they're yeah. starting to find ways to give back where they they still have a lot of, well, people, well, while people are listening, you know, and, uh, you know, the, the book coming out or just around the time of the IPO, uh, these ideas are, are things that I've always wanted to talk about and the timing just ended up working, but, technology leaders are listened to, you know, for better or for worse, mm-hmm. um, because so much of our future is being shaped right now uh, by, by, by advancements in technology. Uh, we're sort of looked at, looked to for a lot of, a lot of the answers of what's to come. It, emotionally, even spiritually, what kind of wrestling did you do with yourself as you approached the decision around an IPO? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I've heard so many people talk about the the trade-off that right. exists around autonomy agency mm-hmm. in terms of direction yeah. and all that and what were the principal disagreements with yourself at times that you mm-hmm. had to have well it was a it was a bit of a leap of faith to uh to embark on this but it, it felt like the right moment for us to do this graduation and that's really how it feels you know uh seven years of bootstrapping seven years of uh venture capital backing uh the company has done really well with with acquisitions i think culturally we're we're good at it not every company has that 
th- that set of muscles. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but we do, and so I think being a public company allows us to do more of that. Allows us to to grow the teams bigger. Allows us to uh, grow organically and through M and A. Uh, and so this stage of of the company uh, required sort of this step. Uh, we had some questions around whether uh, whether a company like Lightspeed will, would get its would see its full valuation by listing only in Toronto, right, and not uh, dual listing in uh, in uh, New York. Yeah. In New York. Yeah. Uh, so that was a that was I think a, a decision that we wrestled with. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's you know what I've heard a lot since the the success of the IPO it, from founders is we didn't think we could do that. We didn't think we could get the uh, the reception. Um, that you guys that you guys have had on on, on the TSX. So it was actually a, a moment that we said, okay, let's be confident as Canadians and and uh, and believe that our our own investors in this country and we had, you know, 50-50 US and Canadian uh, um, orders uh, for for the Lightspeed IPO on the TSX. Uh, but uh, but we didn't need to do the dual listing. We will eventually, you know, consider uh, listing on the other on the yeah. other exchanges. Yeah. But uh, we had it internally. We, internally, we, we codenamed the project Project Patriot, just so that we could um, uh, we could disprove this idea that uh, that that a Canadian company doesn't have this root of a Canadian tech company that you can do it on yeah. your own here. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Right. You certainly can. You're still a, a, a bit of a, a pup on that exchange. You know, mm-hmm. still it's only a matter of months. But is there anything that's changed? It's. Um, so we haven't reported earnings yet. That'll happen at the end of May. But what what I've what I've realized is more than ever, uh, it's down to it. It's it's ours to lose. You know, it's about, it's about our execution. Mm. Uh, so we don't have you know our our investor base is very is much more dispersed. We don't know everybody that's uh, that's in, invested. So that's a bit that's a bit of a change. Uh, we we put together an independent board, folks from Google, Amazon, um, and OpenText amazing board so they've been consistent from pre-ipo and now post-ipo so there's been a bit there's been that consistency so between myself and management and and the team at large and the board we're really kind of collectively steering the ship so it's there is a degree of freedom yeah uh, more than ever i I feel (laughs) more than ever also do we also feel responsible for for executing and responsible for you know whether in the long term we uh we we continue to to do everything we say we're going to do but your market valuation also provides the enormous resources for you to do absolutely almost you know build your dreams and that's why we didn't want to wait you know we didn't want to wait till we were at the scale where we could do a dual list we we thought you know what there's so many things we want to execute on um let's uh let's do this as a first step and let's have let's have a canadian uh you know uh, ipo let's talk uh, for a few minutes about your book um mm-hmm. i mean you're obviously drawing on all of these enormous influences and you can you know you read read page after page of what has clearly guided you in your life and how you wish to guide others to mm-hmm. some degree yeah. you've got lots of great checklists in there you know mm-hmm. lists of things to do i want to, I want to ask about though um the, the the central premise i drew from the book is that we are as a society a, a bit too separated yeah mm-hmm. uh you you kind of you know the book's name is age of union you want yeah. it to be something where where we we think a lot more closely about unity or, and uh, and unifying mm-hmm. and yet you know i i would say probably if if people were looking for culprits 
around why we have separation in society, yeah. they would look at technology sometimes. Uh, and, and that's in the book, right? So it's an uphill... It's like a paradox, right? Sh- for sure. There's the echo chambers that have been created by social media. There's, there's a... There is growing separation and you can find, you can exist in bubbles of just people that are, that think the same way as you. Sure. Uh, and every, there's four pillars in the book, leadership, uh, culture, spirituality, and nature. And really in each section, I d- dive into the diversity in each one. There's many kinds of leaders and voices. There's, we're in a, we're in a moment of individual power like we've never seen before. We're in the era of the selfie, you know, and uh, culture, so much diversity in terms of identity, expression, spirituality. There's there's all sorts of ways to to look at the wholeness and the oneness of everything. And then finally, nature and all of its biodiversity. So how do you find unity when the world is full of diversity? Uh, and so that's, I think, where we, I think we're, we, that's our, that's, that's the next um, evolution that we can take as a species, right? We've, we've, we are, we're a dominant species on, on this planet. We have all of the, the tools, all the communication tools. We're, I think we're, we're ready to kind of solve that puzzle, which is let's not, let's not look at our differences with fear. Let's look at difference as a teacher. Uh, we're never going to be all the same. Uh, but let's find uh, find unity across across all this diversity and and uh, and and elevate rather than uh, than than separate. I mean, obviously, clearly, too, um, people have taken a look at at new technology and, and it's opened our eyes to the entire world mm-hmm. in, in a way that we could not have imagined twenty twenty five years ago, of course. Right. But it also permits you an option to withdraw. Sure. To frankly yeah. mm-hmm. never go and meet somebody, yeah. never go and visit a place, mm-hmm. never hear a live performance, for right. instance, or or see a painting in real life and all that. Is that, do you think that that pendulum that that has permitted people to be way over here, be mm-hmm. separate, yeah. can swing back? It, I think it can. Um, and so part of the reason why, why we created a physical gathering place with Never Apart uh, Never Apart, you know, has heritage from Lightspeed. It's got, it leverages a lot of technology to gather people and to inform people about and to, and to, to connect people so that they can physically gather. Uh, because we, we need this as humans. We, we've lost some of the institutions or we've, uh, we've left behind some of the institutions where we used to gather, you know, the, the churches or the community halls or yeah. a lot of the things that, uh, that were central to a community. Um, as the, as society secularized, those, those, those places where people gather have, have, uh, have disappeared or we've left them. Right. Yeah. Uh, so what are the replacements? You know, where, where can we gather? Um, how can we, how can we not be behind our screens? How can we, uh, you know, escape the, uh, the device in our hands, you know, yeah. and, and, the, and, and that's, um, we're never, we're never going to, um, th- that's always going to be a part of our lives. Uh, but we, but that connection, uh, and those, those human connections, those personal connections, it's amazing how it can start to connect people from very different places. Uh, and you can create connections that are, that maybe aren't as local, uh, but real true human connections. And we've had some exhibitions that never apart from artists that work together in a group, but, but actually only met once the exhibition happened. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and so there are, there are new possibilities created by technology. Of course. Uh, and then ultimately when the gathering actually happens, it's just magic, right? Yeah. There's magic, but then there's, in the, I don't want to go to the to the dark side of this, but there's also just enormous hatred. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's there's you know in 
kind of an invidiousness uh, that that pervades a lot of technology. Mm-hmm. What, what you know, as somebody who understands technology inside out, I think, what, yeah. what do we do about this? These are these are our tools. You know, I think uh, as we look at the problems in in the world, as we look at the dark side of social media, we look at even the dark side of something like capitalism. You know, mm-hmm. uh, these are our instruments. There are there are inventions, uh, and so it's it's uh, it's we can we can use these to raise consciousness we can use uh you know capitalism can be influenced by our choices uh to invest in the things that that we want to explore uh and divest from the things that are sort of destructive social media is the same uh it can i think it's in we're we're in the early stages it's uh and the, those echo chambers uh, are being looked at now, right? There, we're we're looking at why um, some of the the, the social media giants, uh, for mar- for for the purposes of marketing to target audiences, and I do talk about it in, in Age of Union, um, how we have to qu- start questioning um, some of those algorithms and question yeah. some of some of that which which uh, from a, from their business model point of view may be beneficial, but for society, it's something that we as we, we as a society have to question and maybe uh, regulate. Yeah. I don't want to make it sound as if you've reached this uh, end of a long chapter, you know, by any means, you're still a, a very young man in this business. Um, have you thought yet about how you might discover your next big idea? Mm-hmm. So I, I feel that the, the three projects that I have in my head, which are Lightspeed Never Apart and, 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 and this book are allow me to, to, to explore in those four pillars. You know, I, I think my life's work will be either in, you know, developing leaders, you know, true leaders, I think create other leaders, change makers. That's why it's called igniting the change maker. That's a, that's a mission. That's a life's mission that will unfold. Uh, and, you know, as I have more, you know, resources, influence and, and, uh, and so on, I think that's an important work because no one person, no one perspective has all the answers or can, or can do all the work, you know, culture, never apart. There may be more centers to come spirituality and nature. Those are two things where I see those being a big part of what I'd speak about in the future. Typically as you age, these become right larger and larger ingredients. Th- those are going to be the things where mm-hmm. you know I've focused on the first two with Lightspeed and uh, and Never Apart, and then the the, the the latter two with uh, with the release of this book are are things that uh, hopefully I, I I can I can start to contribute more and more yeah. in the conversation and in action. And yet I would also imagine that your company wants you front center. Not, you can do that not, too. Not disappearing <laughs> into the ashram for you know <laughs> for uh, yeah eight to ten weeks or something. Um, but Lightspeed is, uh, it's just an ever evolving and yeah. constant joy. You know, it's, uh, every, every day is, uh, um, you know, there's several crises and there's some amazing, amazing things that happen. And there's always m- new people that come into the mix, uh, or, uh, or, or, or new groups of people. If we, if we do an acquisition where it's continuously challenging and continuously evolving. So, uh, there's, there's never a, never a dull moment. Yeah, there isn't. It's, been a great conversation. I really thank you yeah, for thank your you time. Thank you, Kirk. One last question: um, Montreal, Vancouver. Which one's going to win the Stanley Cup first? <laughs> which one's going to win the Stanley Cup first? Uh, I wish I knew more about hockey. <laughs> Just pick one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna say because uh, uh, <laughs> this is going to. Yeah, this is going to reflect whether you still love Vancouver or whether you really 
moved on. I'm going to give it to Vancouver. We'll we'll see. We'll we'll see. But uh, but I think we'll the Montreal will be the year after. <laughs> you should go into politics. <laughs> Thanks to Silver Reading. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah. Thanks. That's BIB today for today. Thanks a lot. Thanks for, for hosting me. See you next time. Mm-hmm.